You're listening to Outlandish Outcasts at outlandishoutcasts.com. Welcome to Outlandish Outcasts. I'm your host, Al. With me, as always, the lovely Desi. How are you doing tonight, Desi? With that sound? Wonderful! (laughs) (laughs) Excellent, great, fabulous. That's good, that's good. Summer's kind of winding down, coming towards an end. Shut your mouth, just Kids are getting ready to go back to school. Yay! Oh, wait a minute. I'm going back to school with them. Yeah. With a bunch of other kids. I'll have the house to myself during the day to work. Yay! You're working. (laughs) It's not like you're at home by yourself. No, I'm at home connected to, yeah, a lot of people. Anyway. (laughs) (laughs) Funny. Anyway, I believe you are first tonight. Ooh, I'm first. You're first. So, a little bit of science. Science? Yeah. Okay. So, how much do you know about your nose and your nostrils and the way the air goes in and out? I know nothing about my nose and nostrils. Well, perfect. I'm going to teach you something today. Yay. Yay. So, when you're breathing, do you realize air isn't coming out of both nostrils? Okay, yeah, I guess not. But did you know that beforehand? No, because no, really you just it, no. went. Oh wait, there's more air going in one nostril yeah. than the other because you've just thought about it. Yeah. Okay, I didn't know this either, and I went, "What the bleep?" Another random fact. I love random, useless facts. So, your nostril it splits its workload throughout the day. Okay. Who knew? One get tired and the other one kicks in or something? They get to take breaks. <laughs> Interesting. Like, they take their fair share. Mm. <laughs> so, in the process of alternating congestion and decongestion called the nasal cycle, who knew? Hmm. Uh, the air is going in and out of one nostril with a much smaller amount passing through the other. So, I mean, some is going some through is, the other, not. just not a whole lot. Yeah. So, and if... You all who are listening, take a breath in through your nose. You're going to actually feel it. And then if you do it in a few hours again, you'll feel the other side takes in more than the other. And this, I think, solves my mystery because I may have mentioned on the show before how I can push air out of one eye. Mm -hmm. There are days when I try and it doesn't happen. I'm like, what the hell? And this, I think, actually explains that. Okay. So I'm like, okay. Cool. I'm not making this up. <laughs> so um, so every few hours, your autonomic, and I'm echoing, but your autonomic nervous system, auto, I want to say matic, but it is so not that. Um, which takes care of your heart rate, digestion, and other things. Uh, you don't constantly control that, obviously. It's like breathing. You just don't control it. So it switches things up, and your other nostril does all the heavy lifting for a little while. Uh, the opening and closing of the two passages is done by swelling and deflating erectile tissue. Hmm. Kind of like a male reproductive hmm. That's what Oregon. I thought of when you said er- erectile <laughs> tissue. So the nasal cycle is going on all the time. But when you're sick and really congested, uh, the extra mucus, it often makes the nostril 
that's on brake feel like it's more backed up and have you ever noticed it feels like you can't blow snot out of the one side yeah even though stuff might come out Mm -hmm. but you know it's like coming from the other side and it's like what the hell is going on here and i'm like ding 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 wow this is all making sense i feel so much better now Hmm. so um there are at least two good reasons why nasal cycle happens one is it makes our sense of smell more complete and i was like what but then i kept reading (laughs) some (laughs) smells are easier (laughs) to detect and process in a fast-moving airstream like the decongested uh nostril while others are better detected in a slower airstream of the congested nostril so that slower in breath and mm-hmm. it almost makes sense yeah because that makes sense even like smelling flowers sometimes in order to actually smell it if you smell too fast you're just going to be like <coughs> that's why you have to stop and then smell the roses sometimes you have to take your time sometimes you could take a big deep whiff of it and sometimes it's like that was too much i need a slower yeah so hmm. that made sense in my mind um also, though, for the second one, it seems to keep the n- the nose maintained for its function as an air filter and a humidifier. So the alternating congestion gives the mucus and cilia, the tiny hairs that are in your nose, uh, in each nostril, well-deserved break from the onslaught of air and prevents the inside of your nostrils from drying out, cracking, and bleeding. Hmm. Well, that's like, cool. Hmm, the body really does take care of itself. Yeah. So that's cool. So another snot mystery, since we are on this topic. Though. Okay. So why does the nose run when you cry? Do you know? Mm, no, I have no idea. So when you cry, because mine always when I'm like in a heavy yeah. cry, yeah, I know you've seen it, where it's like I have to stop and like blow it. Yeah. How many times? And I'm like such an ugly crier (laughs) but when you cry most of your tears spill over your lower eyelid and run down your face some of them though they just don't make it as this thing said over the hill i thought that was kind of funny um and instead they go back down the tear ducts into the nasal cavity and they're all connected which i i've known (laughs) Mm -hmm. practically my whole childhood um and if you're really bawling and you have <laughs> a lot more tears running, um, it goes down into the nose and it kind of loosens things up. And hmm. with that in itself, it makes stuff come out of your nose. Hmm. Kind of crying from your nose. It is. <laughs> it's just not as fast as your face because there's a little bit of snot yeah. in there, too. Yeah, stuff. it's got to so. loosen stuff up and get it out of there. Yeah. So we got that mystery solved on why that happens, too. That's cool. Because I even think I said the last time I was bawling, like, why do I always like have to blow my nose when I'm crying? Huh. Mystery solved. That is interesting. Interesting so. facts about the nose. I love random useless my information my favorite thing after you do a random useless cool story information is to bring everybody right down that's what You're i usually like to do a bleeper yeah that's that's bleeper. We're, we're gonna we're gonna we're gonna get a little dark al is a yeah well you know 
Debbie Downer. Debbie Downer. I am going to tell a story. I want to speak to your manager, Karen. (laughs) No. I am going to tell a story about Walter Collins. Walter Collins. better known as the disappearance of Walter Collins. I almost, almost did a disappearance story today. I didn't. Hmm. Hmm. Because of the first story I found, which was not the nose thing. And I was like, mm, I'm not going to do two people thingies. Yeah. So I have one coming up too. Cool, cool. But mine's not a disappearance. Hmm. Okay. Well, no, th- this not happened. Okay. It was March 10th. Dun, dun, dun. 1928. 1928. 1928. You sure you got the facts here, boy? I am, I am. Okay. Uh, it was a nice day outside. Children are playing. <laughs> it was a nice day outside. Walter asked his mom for some money because he wanted to go watch a movie. They lived in Southern California. She gave him a penny. Was it at an AMC? No. Are you sure? I'm sure. She gave okay. him a, a penny, and Walter rushed down to the screening, which was not too far from their house. Uh, it started getting dark, and Walter never came back. Aww. Now, Christine, her, his mom, was worried... Um, but thought eventually her son's just going to appear at the end of the driveway with his usual smile, but he never came home that night. Uh, She went uh, one by one to all of his friends' houses to see if he was at one of his friends' houses and he wasn't there. Um, At the time, the community was still reeling from uh, three months earlier there had been a kidnapping of a 12-year-old boy. And the kidnapper demanded a ransom, ended up getting caught, you know, and all that, but the the community is still thinking about that at this mm-hmm. time when this nine year old Walter disappears. Um, so this is this is one of the parts of this case where I go, what? So Walter's mother contacted the police five days after he didn't come home. Five? <laughs> what? what I mean, but when, this is back in 1928. 1928. Yes. So I'm sure. And it's maybe like it wasn't as odd for like kids to disappear 80s. for a while. Even though it's like the 80s yeah. where your parents are like, go play and I don't want to see you until dark. Yeah. So, but she does contact the police five days later. Um, and immediately the police like pour, poured a ton of attention to the case. They had, you know, just dealt with this other kidnapping not that long ago. So they wanted to make sure they, they found an answer on this one. But unfortunately, all kinds of leads, but nothing Nothing solid. Nothing came up. Huh. Uh, there was one sighting where somebody said they saw the boy at a gas station in the backseat of a car, um, but only part of his head could be seen because his body was covered in newspapers. Okay. So some of the crazy stuff people say when they're contacting whoever, mm-hmm. like how would they even know if it's him if they... Yeah, I don't know. Whatever. I don't know. Okay. Um initially uh his mom christine suspected that his father uh walter collins senior had who was in prison at the time her assumption was he made somebody mad in prison and they came and took his son or maybe he that just was kind of well he's still in, he's, he's in prison okay. at this time okay. so it wasn't him but okay so that was a, a early on theory but you know nobody was quite sure um the case started receiving national attention the la police department had gotten tons of reports, tons of leads, 
kind of went nowhere and they were getting a lot of negative publicity about why can't they find this kid. Okay. Um, five months went by and a boy in DeKalb, Illinois says he's Walter. Okay. So the police get him on the phone with Christine. Uh, they talk for a little while. She's all excited. You know, she's going to get to see her son. Um, they made her pay $70 to have him transported from Illinois to California, which she did. 1929. Yep. I could see that. Which she did. Um, and then the, the police made a, a really big deal out of them being reunited. They wanted a publicity situation. They wanted to make sure it looked like they did their job. We found it. We solved it. Of course, because they were getting a bad rap there for yeah, a minute. Exactly. Exactly. So as soon as they reunited, Christine didn't felt uneasy i feel like i've done this story she doesn't believe it's her son and she raised this kid the whole time going you're not mine that's no okay we watched a documentary about a french kid who that that happened to french family that that happened to yes but that's not what i'm thinking of. no this is not exactly how this goes right away she doesn't she has her doubts but of course she's a grieving mother who wants her son back so she's like i have my son i'm going to you know, try to see if we can, you know, try to move on from here. Um, that only lasted three weeks. Three weeks later, she went to the captain of the L.A. police. And said, this isn't my son. Police department said, said, this isn't my son. That's and, what I'm talking about. I think I did this story. Oh, I just, you said he raised him. It was like this three weeks. Oh, oh I've been drinking. <laughs> <laughs> three weeks later, she went, she went to Captain J.J. Jones of the L.A. police department and said, this isn't my son. But she raised him, I thought, anyways. No. Even though there was doubt. No. Okay. So this isn't my son. I have two forms of proof I'd like to show you. First of all... A picture. This boy is one inch shorter than my son. Holy buckets. And here's my son's dental records and this boy's dental records. They do not match. Maybe we didn't do this story. I didn't do this story because you have dental records. Yeah. Um... Captain Jones's response was, are you trying to get the state to pay for your son? I think you're crazy. And he had her committed to the Los Angeles oh Psychiatric Hospital. Oh, my <laughs> God. Their evidence, the police's evidence, were he looks like Walter. He says he's Walter. And Walter's dog likes him. That was the police evidence. Okay. <laughs> The dog liking a child had a lot to do with it. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) Anyway, after a few more, few days after she was sent to the psychiatric hospital, um, Mr. Jones decided to have uh, Walter questioned by a a, a psychiatric professional, a psychiatrist. And uh, after several days of questioning, it comes out that... uh, this kid was a con man. He admitted to being 12-year-old Arthur Hitchens from Iowa. Um, according to his story, his mother passed away. He was being taken care of by his stepmother who was violent, and he didn't, you know, felt like he was be- being mistreated. He saw this story in the paper of this boy who looked like him. Aww. So he And he'd always wanted to see California, so he you know, Aww, said it was sad. Him. It is. That is. It is. is, That's a sad story. You know, Mm -hmm. obviously, this kid was just looking for 
something good you know, attention uh, exactly and i mean 12 year old kid it's not like you can't blame him for it that's sad um it took uh the los angeles police department 10 days to release christine after the confession <laughs> they still kept her oh locked up in the psychiatric hospital for 10 days God. She ended up suing the police department and uh, won $10,800. Which uh, is a lot of money in this day. Yeah, exactly. Now, there's we still don't know what happened to Walter. No. There is a, a lot of stuff like that. We never know. No, there what is happened. a theory and because and a theory that has some merit to it. Um right around the same time there was a case known as the Wineville Chicken Coop murders. Okay. It was a, a man by the name of Gordon Stewart Northcott. He owned a chicken coop, a uh, chicken farm about 40 miles outside of LA. Okay. And he ended up getting caught um, abducting boys and killing them Aww. and like dissolving their bodies on his chicken farm. That's sad. Now, he never confesses to Walter's kidnapping. But Gordon's mother said she saw him do it. Doesn't that make her like a criminal right there? She went to jail for it. She Aww. went to jail for being an accomplice. Of course. Nobody was ever charged in his actual police. murder because they decided not to take the time because Gordon had already been sentenced to death for the other killings he had just recently been caught been caught doing. That's sad. So those parents He's, never... Now, Gordon said if Christine, Walter's mom, would come visit him before his execution, he would tell her the truth. The day before his execu execution, Christine went to visit him, and he refused to talk to her. That's kind of crappy. Like, if he went... You know, he, Went to his grave, knowing it, and People couldn't give like couldn't give the mother like that. Clearly, peace he's of not mind. in his right frame of mind no, for even not. killing boys obviously. like that. So obviously not. So yeah, so that's yeah the story of uh, of Walter. Sad. It's a sad story. It's got some interesting twists and turns. I thought you know the I was I was surprised by first of all the. I understand it's a different time, but the whole five days to call the police, I thought something was going to come it of that. It happens nowadays, and nowadays I question it because it's like, you are you should not be leaving your kids in a car mm -hmm. for how long? And you know that that happened all yeah. the time and back in the day. This is a, a nine-year-old kid, you know, very close to age of one of our children. Now, she spent three weeks afterwards. Could you imagine if somebody replaced one of our children for three weeks and it took us three weeks to be like, no, this isn't him? <laughs> It's That's probably a because weird. she really, really I'm sure. wanted I'm sure. it to be her child. And obviously, she must have... It's not like she just all of a sudden decided one day. She went and had dental records taken of this other kid. You know, she was obviously trying to find evidence she, to make she sure was she was like, I don't think this is my child, but let me double check before I just say yeah. this is not my child. Yeah. Because odds are, as a mom, you want that well, to of be course. your child. Of course you'd want that to be your child, 100%. But you have that doubt, and... Most of the time, you can look in someone's eyes and know who that person is mm -hmm. just by looking in their eyes if you truly knew that person. Yeah. So, that's sad. That's, so sad. that's my downer story. Yeah, you are a Debbie Downer. I am. 
Well, mine's going to be a little bit uplifting here. Okay. I like okay. uplifting. So have you ever heard of Martin Pistorius? Pistorius? Probably not. Okay. Have you ever heard of locked-in syndrome? Locked-in syndrome? No. Okay. So Martin is a South African British man who had locked-in syndrome and was a- unable to move or communicate for 12 years. Holy cow. So when he was 12, he began losing voluntary motor control, uh, eventually fell into a vegetative state for three years. Hmm. Um, he began regaining consciousness around the age of 16 and achieved full consciousness by 19, although he's still completely paralyzed with the exception of his eyes. Okay, I was wondering, like, the way you described him, like, what makes him conscious if he can't communicate? Can't Nobody move, realized can't... he was conscious, though. Okay. So oh. everybody thought he was still in a vegetative state because yeah. only, his, only eyes his eyes moved. Move. And when you're in a vegetative state, your eyes are still open. Hmm. So, um, and they do kind of move, just not like if you're conscious. Yeah. Um, he was unable to communicate with other people until his caregiver, Verna Vandelwalt, <laughs> noticed that he could use his eyes to respond to her words. <coughs> and she had sent him to a center um, at a university of Pretoria okay. for testing. Well, she had to have the parents mm-hmm. yeah. do it, but... Um, where they confirmed he was conscious and aware of his surroundings. So, and I got this off of Wikipedia, so that was kind of the summary of it. Mm -hmm. But in his early life in the 80s, um, him and his parents were living in South Africa, where at the age of 12, he slowly began developing symptoms that included losing the ability to move by himself. Doctors were unable to diagnose the exact ailment and believed it was... Uh, meningitis and tuberculosis of the brain. <laughs> so eventually he fell into, the, into a vegetative state that lasted four years. And this was kind of contradicting. You can tell Wikipedia, mm-hmm. people can update it. Yeah. Um, during which time doctors informed that his parents had, that they had not expected him to reawaken or survive much longer. So... At the age of 14, he received part of his daily care via care home during the day. At night, he was primary, primarily cared for by his father, um, who started or stated that he would wake up every two hours and turn his son so he wouldn't get bed sores. Hmm. Um, and this happened for years. Yeah. Um, so... He believed that he began regaining consciousness around the age of 16, during which time he was able to sense the people around him, but not immediately recall previous events. Sometimes he had described as a bit of a baby being born. So it's like some people remember Mm -hmm. little bits and pieces when they're two. Some remember little only little bits and pieces before at five, but never before. Mm-hmm. And I actually knew somebody who didn't really remember much until they were about eight. Wow. So, so he 
remembered things, just not. Just not, yeah. A okay. lot. So uh, that's, in my mind, where I'm thinking baby-like like mm-hmm. state. So um, he was capable of making small movements that were not initially detected by his primary caregivers. And one day, Verna van der Walt was um, his aromatherapist and a, a daycare mm-hmm. person began noticing that he would react to specific statements and questions she made upon her recommendations, though she sent uh, to the Center of Augmentative, augmentative I can't say that, an alternative communication at the University of Pretoria, or Pretoria. Okay. <laughs> I have no idea. <laughs> Around age 25. Um, there they confirmed that he was aware and could respond to statements. So his parents gave him a computer with software to communicate with people around him. So he actually could move his arms. It's just they thought it was an involuntary okay. muscle spasm but of wasn't. some sort. He could actually move. He was actually moving because he was trying to move. He just couldn't completely mm-hmm. move yeah. to like point at something yeah. or sit up or something like that. So eventually he was able to start communicating with people through a computer, kind of like Stephen Hawkins. Yeah, yeah. A little different, mm-hmm. but like him. But like that, yeah. So uh, he did... Meet his wife, Joanna, in UK resident in 2008 through his sister. They married in 2009. I know. And in 2011, um, there was a book published, Ghost Boy, which he co-wrote with Megan Lloyd Davis. And I actually listened to these two things. It's in the Wikipedia thing. So if Mm -hmm. anybody wants, we'll post Wikipedia thing link. But. If you want to listen to some other stuff, there's a podcast and two videos, and I only watch the two videos because, yeah. The video I watched was The Secret History of Thoughts, and there was another video. um, It was like, it was in Australia, 60 Minutes of Australia. Okay, yeah. But you should be able to, like, copy-paste, and it'll pull right up for you. But I thought it was really interesting, and it got more Mm in-depth. Like, when he was with caregivers, he spoke about all the abuse he went through because he knew it was going on, on, and they had no no clue that it was happening. I'm sure that happens a lot. He also spoke about things like what went through his mind because the doctors told his parents he was in a baby-like state, and he will never be anything more than Mm. that. And he said he felt tormented because they had put him in front of the TV in his wheelchair to watch Barney all day. Mm. Could you imagine? Oh, my God. I hate Barney. Surprised he's <laughs> even sane. <laughs> he wasn't. He was losing it. Yeah. Like, there was, like, listening to him, he was in, he even tried to kill himself once, and he couldn't really mm. move. And he was able to, like, smuggle his, snuggle his face into a pillow, sh- like, mm. case trying to kill himself mm. but he couldn't even succeed at that so we talked about like all these feelings and it's like i want to go get that book now just because it's mm-hmm. way more in depth than what i watched yeah 
But it was like the most interesting thing. So if you think you're having a bad day, try try being, being a, put yeah. in a bed and you're fully conscious, but nobody has a clue and you can't even tell them. Yeah, that's Picture crazy. that. No, and then thank you. listening to some of his stories, he went through hell. Oh, I'm sure. I'm sure. So it's like I will never complain about my life again. And if they think I'm in a vegetative state, pull the plug. Because if I'm not, <laughs> I'll survive. <laughs> yeah. That is, uh, I mean, it's a crazy story. It's kind of sad, but it's kind of uplifting, it's too. Sad, it's got a happier ending, obviously. Like, he got through it. Somebody was like, I think he's actually responsive. He's now married. He has a child. Mm-hmm. Like, yay him. Yeah. Like. That's amazing, and he is very happy now. Like mm-hmm. he had stated at one point, yes, I wanted to die. Thankfully, I didn't, mm-hmm. because sometimes in life, even though it's hard, there's always a light at the yep. end of the tunnel. Yep, yep, cool, cool. So, way to go, Martin. I agree. I agree. Well, my next story. This one. It's not as good as mine. I'm sure it's not as good. <laughs> Definitely not. I'm just as good kidding. Um, it's a Debbie Downer again. I think you wah, would. Li- wah, I think wah. you would like the the Dodo Donpa. Dodo. Dodo Donpa. I just want to say it. Dodo Donpa. Roller coaster. What? In Japan, this is located at the Fiji Q Highland, which is located near Mount Fiji. Wait, wait. You said Japan. Is it Mount Fiji in Jamaica? No. It's in Japan. What m- mountain is it? Mount, this Mount Fuji, not Mount Fiji. Sorry. Oh, thank you, thank that you. Was me. That was you. Anyway, I was right. You were wrong. It's recorded. Anyway, <laughs> the coaster is known for its super death speeds. It's the fastest, ex- fastest, uh, fastest accelerating coaster in the world. Accelerating. Going from zero to 112 miles an hour in 1.56 seconds. Wow. You really need to like, have you been drinking tonight? (laughs) No. I know. I just had to point that Um, out. The air launched (laughs) ride also features the globe's largest loop. How big is the loop? I don't know. It's big enough. It's big enough. Anyway, the reason I'm talking about this roller coaster is because this week, uh, the Japanese government shut it down bastards i haven't made it there yet it now it has been open since 2001 it was remodeled in 2017 to go faster okay but nothing's been changed since then but somehow between december 2020 and august of 2021 six people have had broken bones happen because of the g-force on this roller coaster i can see it all the bouncy, bouncy, and then you add the G-force to it, and boom. When I start, when I when I found this story, my first thing I thought of: I'm not a roller coaster fan. I, I love hate roller, roller coasters. coasters. But you and the kids went on a, a small roller coaster, and I complained about my back. And you you had complained about it hurting your back, and I'm like, well, okay, I guess I could see how it how this could happen. But it it's usually the older roller coasters that do that to me because like I've been on a ton of roller coasters. Mm-hmm. This one park in Minneapolis, mm-hmm. Shakopee, actually, at Valley Fair, the Excalibur. I cannot ride that ride, mm-hmm. and it's not even one of the scariest rides. 
I can go on a roller coaster that goes upside down. I can go on a roller coaster called the Steel Vellum, and it's venom, and it's scary as bleep. Mm -hmm. Nothing. But the moment I go on the Excalibur, mm -hmm. and it's a fun ride, it yanks on my back. Mm. It's like bumpy, and it whips you this way and that, and it's not even all that fast. Yeah. So if that's a bumpy ride that turned into a fast ride on top of it, mm, <laughs> I'd be Larry. Yeah. Um, all of the um, victims were either in between ages 30 and 50. Uh, one broke a neck, one broke a back. I would have broke my back. Um, I thought it's odd that it just started happening. Like, If they increased the G-forces and they didn't smoothen out the track. I mean, they increased the G-forces in 2017. This didn't start happening until 2020. Like, that's three years later it starts happening. It's, that's odd. COVID, nobody's been moving much. One of, the, one of the assumptions, and one of the people who got hurt admits that um, she was leaning forward at the time, like and not not supposed to in this roller coaster. So she. But they sh that shouldn't even. You, you, you'd think they would have them strapped into uh. a point where that wouldn't matter, but um, yeah, it, like I said, not a long story, not a lot to tell here. I just thought the roller coaster was interesting because I know you like roller coasters. I love roller coasters. And just the fact that you know people broke bones, I thought like. I don't know, but according to this, there's it's a one in seventeen million chance of being seriously injured on a fixed site ride in the United or States. Or killed. This is just injured. Okay, not killed, because that happens too. Well, if you get killed, you're going to get injured. Like that's going to be included in there, I'm sure. So. But yeah. that's why I said or killed. So it's included in that stat. Oh, I'm sure. I don't know. That's why I'm asking. <laughs> I think dying would be would be because of an injury, so you would have been Maybe, injured. unless you had a heart attack. They do have all those signs. If yeah. you're pregnant, if this, if that, blah, blah, blah. That's that's why I don't like roller coasters. I'm always pregnant. I can't ride them. Ah, uh ha, ha. You're so funny. <laughs> Not funny. What do you think? This is a sound that goes with my... Okay. Next story. Hold on. Sounds like a balloon being rolled across the carpet and then it gets stuck a little at the end. I don't know. I have no idea. Think it's celery. Chewing celery? I have no idea. Really? I don't know. Okay. Before I tell you what that is. Okay. So, this lady, Elizabeth Bailey. Okay. She was 34 on a trip in Europe. Okay. So, she got sick from a flu or maybe it was a virus. Had to lay down and stay in bed for months and months. Months and months. Yeah, I know. I was reading that. I'm like, really? Okay. Okay. So a friend, she brought her a snail. Okay. Okay. You might enjoy its company, she was told. Why, I wondered. <laughs> Would I enjoy a snail? <laughs> well, it was placed in a glass bowl on our night table where for a while... Uh, 
Elizabeth had no idea what it was doing, mm-hmm. but snails are nocturnal, which mm-hmm. I learned in this. I didn't know that. I you didn't, did. I, 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 didn't, I mean, it didn't oh, surprise said, me. Mm-hmm. So I thought maybe you knew that already. So uh, I had no clue. But whatever they do, they usually do it in the dark. So people are usually sleeping. Mm-hmm. Um, Elizabeth said she could hear it eating, she writes. The sound of someone very small munching celery continuously. She turned sideways and saw it stretched out of its shell, mm-hmm. hanging on to a wildflower taken from the woods, and she watched transfixed over the course of an hour. <laughs> the snail ate an entire purple petal for dinner. So... <laughs> Snail in quiet rooms are noisy eaters, apparently. Hmm. I would have never guessed. I had heard that once, but I thought it was a joke. <laughs> yeah, I've never. Yeah, I know nothing about snails. Like I don't know much either, but I see. I know they're good for the gardens and stuff like mm-hmm. that. But I had no idea. None. Hmm. Who knew? No, I. Yep. So she had learned, or she. Found out that they have around two thousand six hundred and forty teeth. Holy cow! A snail. That's a little extreme. And they only eat plants. <laughs> so, teeth pointed inward, so it's inward. to give the snail a firm grasp on his food. So if you think it latches on and the leaf goes to pull away, okay, yeah, it just tugs back at it yeah. to me it makes sense it's make not like it the easier. snail's got an arm to reach out and grab it with right you know? so with about 33 teeth per row maybe 80 or so rows they form a multi-toothed ribbon called uh ratatula <laughs> so and i'm giving you a picture right now but this is not with the article i just kind of googled yeah it and found teeth and zoomed in on it so you could see it because I thought crazy. that was kind of cool. That is insane. I would have never thought uh-uh. that a snail had I know. teeth like that. Crazy, huh? So Aristotle noticed <laughs> this in the 4th century BC. Snail teeth, he said, are sharp and small and delicate. They also continuously fall out. Like Really? They're not the only creatures that that happens to. Mm-hmm. There are some common ones we've all heard of. So, mm-hmm. um, fro- front wor- front row teeth, though, they get worn. Um, a fresh new row is added in the back, and the teeth kind of slowly move forward. Kind of okay. like when a baby tooth doesn't fall out, the back yep. tooth comes in in the back, but yep. when the baby tooth comes out, it moves forward. Yeah. So... This is about a four to six week process for a snail. Hmm. But many of us have heard about this tooth rotation in sharks and crocodiles. I've heard of it in Makes, sharks. Y- yeah. Not uh, so much crocodiles. Yeah. Makes sense, I guess, that it would happen in a snail. I, I just I thought guess. that was I weird. That is weird. I don't know. I it think still blows it's weird my mind in a shark, though, too. That sound still blows my mind. How loud <laughs> a tiny little I've snail heard that they be. make loud noises. I'm like, <laughs> no way. <laughs> but that's a recorded snail sound. Yeah. So one of the largest dinosaurs that plant-eating, cirripod, uh, 
seropod seropod i'm saying it wrong one way or another also constantly dropped teeth so it didn't chew their food either uh like snails they ripped leaves into small bits and swallowed all the ripping wore down their teeth requiring continuous and automatic replacement Hmm. so yeah (laughs) she's learning all kinds of things today i love it all kinds of things I love little random useless facts that you don't need to know, but here now I, you know. Here I have all these dumb stories about people, and you have dumb, all, this dumb, dumb. Use, all this useful information. Useless. I oh, just said well. it's useless. Whatever. What do whatever. you need to know about snails and teeth? Nothing, I guess. Nothing, but it's. But if it ever comes awesome. up on Jeopardy, I'll know. Heck yeah, you will. <laughs> and this lady actually won some award for writing a book about <laughs> a snail like. Hmm. type thing so i wish i could definitely lose teeth yeah and grow them back grow them back because it would save me a ton on dental bills yeah (laughs) (laughs) anyway my final story dun 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 does the name spencer eldon ring a bell spencer i went to school with the spencer elvin was my grandfather okay well so, no. <laughs> you mean together? Yeah, together. No. Together. Okay. Well, I guarantee you've seen this person. I've. S- you've seen them. Seen them naked. In person? Naked. You've seen this person. <gasps> I almost did this story. <laughs> did you? It was one of my favorite <laughs> bands. Even though that person wasn't in the band. No, this person was not in the band. Uh, Spencer Eld- Spencer Eldon is the little boy on the cover Nirvana! of Nirvana's 1991 breakthrough <laughs> album, Nevermind. So yeah, he, he was on the cover of the album mm-hmm. as a four-month-old baby. Mm-hmm. He His is now, little Peter is hanging out. He is now suing the band, the record label. And one other group. I don't remember who. In all honesty, I don't even remember if he was circumcised or not. So, psh. <laughs> well, he is suing. Um, he's claiming in federal court that um, he was used as commercial child pornography. Like I said, I don't even remember if he was circumcised or not. Psh. But you remember that there was a naked baby on that cover. With the little ding-dong hanging out there, yeah. Do you know how they got that little ding-dong hanging out there like that? They just randomly pulled a picture, I'm assuming, somewhere. Oh, they stuck him underwater and activated his gag reflex, which caused things down there to pop up. As far as I knew, they didn't even know him. They did From what I read. No, they did. The photographer, that's what the photographer did. The band didn't know him, no. The photographer that went to take the shot knew him. Okay, so from what I read, the band didn't know who he was and that they didn't care what his little pee-pee did. Well, the band didn't care, but the marketing people behind it cared. The people taking the picture cared. I don't understand why anyone cared what his penis was I doing. Don't, I don't really know either. Now, whether or not he's going to win this lawsuit, I could care less. I really, I'm not sure I'm what, how I, don't I feel see about how it either it way. it affected him, really. It's a baby picture. All of us at some point yeah. or another, probably around his age, because if whether it affects well, no, whether it affected him or not, accor- according to his lawsuit, and who know maybe this isn't true, 
there was never even a release signed with his parents or nothing. Now, that is a copyright issue. Take a picture of a baby. But you also have to look at the laws from back in those days. I agree. I agree. The thing that I don't, that I think is kind of going against him is he literally posed in a magazine cover five years ago for the 25th anniversary. Swimming and, like that? And redid the, with redid, trunks on, though. Redid the album. Mm-hmm. And it's like, okay, you were obviously not that bothered by this five years ago. He's like in the fame, and but now, now he wants the money you're for 30 it. years old, you need a little more money, you want to move on with life, so you're going to file a lawsuit. I know, that's where I think he's going to lose. I, and I Very well very If it well really might. affected him all that much... Back in the lawsuit days, you know, he probably would have done this sooner. Yeah, you'd think so. If if, if this would have had that much of an effect on him. He... Which it didn't because he was like, that was me. I was that baby. He didn't get negative attention. No, what a I'm, ding dong. I, I'm sure he didn't. But, you know, he sees a way to win some money. He is only seeking $150,000 from each of the three parties. No, 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 which... no, no, no. It wasn't just the three parties. Cobain is dead. So he's looking for all of Cobain's managers, Courtney Love, and his daughter. See, according to uh, and accor- according read, to what I'm reading, mm-hmm. he's got all he's filed is against the band, the record label, and nope. the producer. Nope. You need to do a little more digging. Okay, maybe it's it's possible. It's possible. There was more. <laughs> it's possible. I just thought it was kind maybe of a crazy it wasn't little story. His daughter, but it was it was more than just what you're reading right there Hmm. i'm like ooh, he's racking this up maybe making it small for everybody but when you total it up it's a lot of money yeah well i mean it's a lot of money no matter what Uh, you know but yeah anyway there uh in the article the the two articles that i read neither one of them could get uh got a response from either nirvana or the spokespeople for universal music group well, it's no it's idea a what they have to say lawsuit, about it, and it's a lawsuit, so they're not going to talk right now. Yeah, I just thought I was never a huge Nirvana fan, but everybody in the world at that time saw that album cover because it was very controversial. You know. Well, come as you are. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, if you have an opinion, you can let us know. Send us an email: outlandishoutcasts at gmail dot com. Or you can find us on Facebook at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Definitely leave a comment. Well, first you have to like us, leave a comment, and share, share, share. Or you can find us on Twitter at Outlandish Casts. The oddball out. Yes. Or you can follow us on Instagram at Outlandish Outcast Podcast. Definitely love and follow us there, too. Or you can leave a rating or review in whatever podcast application you're listening to this right now. Right now. Go do it. Don't finish listening to this. Go leave a rating and review. And let everybody know that I am the funny one. Yes, you can let everybody know that. But I am. Am I arguing? Apparently, I'm the smarter one, too. Mm -hmm. But we won't go there. Okay. (laughs) Have a good week, everybody. Bye. Bye.